John chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Now a many great, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. The next day a great multitude had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, said on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. I want to uh, preach to you today for just a few moments on this thought. Hold on to the palm branch. Hold on to the palm branch. Before you're seated, would you just close your eyes and pray with me right now that, that the Lord would just touch all of our hearts with His Word. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. We know there is great power in Your Word that You are able to change and stir and transform our lives through Your Word. I pray You would help us to hear Your Word, but not just be hearers, but help us to be doers also of Your Word, and we thank You for it. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And I'm going to remain standing, so just keep feeling bad for me. Today is, is Palm Sunday. One of my, my favorite jokes to tell about Palm Sunday, maybe it's a dad joke. I don't know. Uh, I, I ho Hopefully it's a little funnier than a dad joke, but it says that a little boy was sick on Palm Sunday and stayed home from church with his mother. And so when his dad returned from church, he had a palm branch. And uh, so the little boy was curious. He said, Dad, what are you doing with that palm branch? And the dad looks at him and says, Well, you know, son, when Jesus came into town, he uh, everybody gathered around and they waved palm branches to honor him. So that, that's why I have this palm branch. And the little boy said, oh, man, the only Sunday Jesus shows up at my church and I'm not there. <laughs> Palm Sunday, of course, recognizes the events that unfold here in our text. And in all four of the gospel accounts, actually, an event that we call the triumphal entry. There is... At this moment in the scripture, less than a week left before Jesus will be arrested, convicted, sentenced to death, beaten, and crucified. Just, just a few days from now in the narrative of scripture, the voices in the city will join in a chorus of condemnation as they all in unison will soon be shouting, crucify him choosing to live with the threat of danger from a convicted killer rather than to ever have to live with the convicting voice of their would-be Savior again. The days that follow this day, Palm Sunday, will forever change the course of human history. And even more significantly than that, they will forever change eternity. 
It can almost be missed, of course, as you, as you read John's gospel, but nearly half of his book, the gospel according to John, is dedicated to this single week in history, the week that changed everything. And so I draw your attention here to John 12 today for our, our time together. And we point out first that John chapter number 12, it begins in Bethany. John, he gives a date marker there in John 12. He says it's six days before Passover. And while he's there, they have a supper. You know, sometimes it's easier than others to be like Jesus. I can be like this Jesus, always ready for a meal. <laughs> the meal is memorable to the disciples for a few reasons. First, of course, is that Lazarus is there. As, as John surveys the room in his mind as he begins to write, he mentions Lazarus was there. Just a chapter before, Lazarus had been in a tomb. He had been dead for four days. He was stinking, and now he's He's back to life and he is here at the table. It's also memorable, John would say, because Mary, who was overwhelmed by her love and appreciation for what Jesus had done to Lazarus, she takes a box of oil so valuable that it would take a year's wages to replace it and she just pours it out on the feet of Jesus. There are supernatural miracles and there is extravagant worship that is how the chapter and the week begins. But in verse 9 of our text today, it says that a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus. So it isn't long before, while it begins in this intimate setting around a table with these faithful few disciples there appreciating and just admiring all that was happening, before long the crowds gather because everyone wants to see Jesus, but also everyone wants to see Lazarus. And here's what I believe. I believe that God is able to do things in our lives so incredible, so unbelievable, that people who know you will be drawn to see what's happening in your life. That the work that God can do in your life can be something that would cause people to say, Oh, I know Jim, and I, I know Trey, and I, I know who they are, and something is different happening in their lives. Just a chapter before, Jesus would say, Lazarus is dead, and then he says, and I'm glad. Now that is not what I want my friends saying about me. But he doesn't just say, I'm glad. He says, I'm glad for your sakes. I think that sometimes God looks at us. He looks at what we're facing and what we're going through. And while it's terrible to us, while it's heart-wrenching to us, maybe even deadly to us as it was in Lazarus's case, that God would look at us and He would say, I am glad. I'm glad that they're facing that. I, I'm glad that they're going through that. Not because He wants to see us suffer, but because He knows that He's going to use it to bring Him glory. And He's going to use it to bring other people to you. And it is going to be a testimony of the power of God that He is glad to see us go through some things, not for our sakes, but for others. And you've got to believe this now. If God brings you through something, He is going to use it for His glory. 
If God ever brings you to a trial, then he has a purpose for it. If God ever allows you to face some kind of difficulty in your life, then somehow God is able to use it for his glory. It was Lazarus' testimony, John says, that drew people to him. Some people will not have an interest in Jesus until they first have an interest in you. Which means you've got to be an interesting person. Now some of you, I know you well enough, you are interesting. But it's not in the way that I'm thinking. (laughs) You say, well, it takes one to know one. And that's probably true. But when people know you, when people have a relationship with you, that's what I'm talking about. These people were close enough to Lazarus to know something about him. And i got to tell you, your testimony is never going to affect people unless they know you. But once they know you and they hear your story about what God has done, they may not be interested in Jesus until they are first interested in you. And when they are facing something, they would say, I want to know something about this Jesus that's done something in your life. And that is what brings us to this moment this Palm Sunday. But notice this now. In verse 10, the Bible says, But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. They wanted to discredit Jesus by writing off a miracle. Because these men, they did not believe that resurrection was possible. So Lazarus being around them conflicted with what they believed. i got to tell you something. Some people would rather kill what's happening in you than change their beliefs about what's possible for them. Some people would rather try to discredit and disbelieve what God is doing in your life, not because they're against you, but because they're against God in their lives, and they don't believe that God is able to do them. That is the power of a testimony. It confronts the lies that others believe about themselves. Hear me now. Some people are going to talk about you because it's easier to talk about you than it is to change themselves. I I don't know what to tell you other than I'm at the table with Jesus. I, I don't know what's happened, but all I know is Jesus stepped in my life. I was in a tomb, but now I'm in the church. I was dead, but now I have life. I was lost, but now I'm found. And when you have a testimony like that, it'll begin to confront the lies that others believe about themselves. And that is the kind of place that God likes to move. And while everyone won't believe, many people will. The Bible says many went away and believed. That is how Palm Sunday starts Many miracles, powerful, supernatural miracles. All this faith and belief. And the Bible says the next day, this crowd so moved by the miracle, so surprised by the supernatural, so filled with anticipation and belief, heard that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem and it motivated them to worship. And all four gospel writers will tell the story of what happens next. All four will mention the words shouted in praise, portions of Psalm 118. Matthew, Mark, and Luke will all... Uh, add the detail omitted by John by saying that they would take their cloaks, those expensive outer garments, and they would throw it along the way for the donkey that Jesus was riding on to just walk on so that the donkey would not even touch the barren ground. Matthew and Mark would also mention that they threw branches along the way, but John is alone and unique in the detail that the crowd took palm branches in their hand. Without his gospel, John's gospel, perhaps we would not even call it Palm Sunday at all. Of course, palms are not mentioned often in the Bible. 
But every time they were mentioned, it was significant. The first mention of a palm is found following the exodus from Egypt. It was on the heels of their first test, three days removed from their deliverance, from that Red Sea experience where God wiped away all of the Egyptian army that was facing them, that the Bible says they come to this place called Mara. It was a bitter place. The water was bitter. And so they're just three days on the heels of this miraculous experience and yet now there's something bitter happening in their lives and they begin to to murmur and question God and so the Bible says God healed the waters and brought them to another place called Elam a place with 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees and I don't know about you but every time I see palm trees it means I'm in a pretty good place and you get off of the airplane in San Diego, my favorite city to visit. Palm trees meet you there. When you cross into that Florida line, you begin to see palm trees meeting you. And that's the kind of experience that they're having. They, they, they've had this bitter experience, but suddenly God brings them to this place where there's abundance, there's plenty of water, and there's 70 palm trees all around. It was first shown in a place of abundance and rest. After Israel would make their way out of Egypt, the Lord commanded that they would celebrate a feast to honor the freedom that they had had from the hands of their captors who had enslaved them for hundreds of years. And from then on, the people of Israel would celebrate a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, which took place for seven days. And throughout this period, the Bible says that they were instructed to take palm branches and and that they would build a booth, that they would build a tabernacle structure using palm branches and the willows of the brook and they would live in that to remind them of the freedom and the victory that they had. So palm trees, while not mentioned everywhere throughout the Bible, every place that they were mentioned, they were a symbol of victory and freedom. Solomon, when he built his, his incredible temple to God, he made sure that throughout the temple there were images of palm trees. Ezekiel's temple, a vision of the temple to come, it's going to be filled with palm trees, he says. Yes, palms, they, they begin to represent victory and freedom. Even that place of supernatural victory, stay with me for just a moment now. At Jericho, where the walls fell down, Jericho, it was a city of palms. And so the palm branch became a symbol of victory. And eventually it became a symbol of Israeli nationalism. It was placed on coins and it was placed in artwork. So when we come to this moment, it is no coincidence that they have palms in their hands as they are worshiping God because they knew that a palm represented victory and it represented it represented goodness and it represented freedom. They had been through so much. They had experienced so much. They had seen so much. So now their expectation was so high. Here comes Jesus. 
Jesus. He's going to save us from the Romans. He's going to save us from our captors. He's going to bring victory in our lives. And so when they worship him, it is an easy place in this moment to worship. They have seen the supernatural hand of God at work. And so they grabbed this symbol of victory. And it was an easy place to hold on to the palm tree. It was an easy place to hold on to victory. It's a place where God is moving. It's a place where Jesus is showing up. It's a place where miracles are happening. And so they clutch that symbol of victory and they shout, Hosanna. And while we celebrate that incredible moment and we honor that day, by setting aside the Sunday before, even in the Christian calendar, and we honor it as Palm Sunday, I I, I want you to notice something with me today, something profound, with profound implications in our own lives. It is some of those same people who worship Him on this day. Holding on to the palm tree in their hand. Holding on to that symbol of victory. Who have praise on their lips in this moment. That in just a few days will exchange their song of praise. For a chorus of condemnation. As in a few days they will shout crucify him. In one moment they have worship on their lips. And a palm in their hands. In one moment they're holding on to that symbol of victory. But in a few days when the miracles are harder to see through. The masses of people wanting to see him murdered. There is not a palm branch in sight. Hear me now. This is what we must understand. It is easier to worship God in a moment. When it looks like how you hoped it is. Than when it doesn't seem to be as powerful and majestic as you wanted it to be. When everybody can see His power, it's easy to hold on to the palm branch. When everybody sees God working, it's easy to hold on to victory. When when everybody is excited and miracles are all around, it's easy to sing songs like, I'm going to see a victory, but what about when no one else is singing that song? What about when no one else seems to believe? You have a palm branch in your hand when others see it, but what about in the moments when it's not convenient to worship? Will you have a palm branch in in your hand? What about in the moments where the crowd around you are, they are not crying Hosanna, but they are crying crucify him. Can you worship him in those moments too? I've come to preach to you for a few moments today and tell you you've got to hold on to the palm branch. You've got to make up your mind I will hold on to victory regardless of what the crowd does or regardless of what the atmosphere looks like. Let me tell you what I've learned. It's a lot easier to worship the God that you want him to be than the God that He is. It's a lot easier to worship Him for what you want Him to do in your life than it is to worship Him for what He is doing in your life. When He doesn't look like how you thought He would look, when He doesn't come through the way you thought He would come through, when He doesn't show up the way that you thought He would, it's easy to let go of the palm branch and to pick up a pitchfork. It's easy to let go of hope and victory and let it slip through your fingers in moments like that. They could worship Him when they thought He was their deliverer, but they found out afterwards that they were mistaken and that He was not delivering Him the way that they thought He would. And in that moment, they hated him as much as they thought they loved him but it was for this reason that he came his purpose was more important than their perception of him 
And so it is in your life. God's purpose in your life is more important than how you perceive Him. And He'll let you go through a battle if it serves His purpose. And what was easy to believe in a moment isn't so easy when we move from the miracles to the moments of purpose. I want you to hear me now. God's purpose is messier than His miracles. What you believed in moments of victory are going to be challenged in times of pain. And you've got to decide, will I hold on to the palm branch? Will I worship God when I don't understand Him? Will I hold on to victory when God isn't moving how I thought or isn't healing how I thought or isn't working how I thought? Can I in those seasons hold on to the palm branch? But here's what I know as the music begins to come. And if you could just get this and believe this, I believe it will change everything about how you worship and everything about how you trust God. Holding on to the palm branch is your choice. As a matter of fact, I found this when I was studying this week and I thought it was really fascinating. You have to dig in the Bible for verses about palms or palm branches. They show up so infrequently, but significantly. There is one place where they show up that I want to be. The Bible says in John's vision, something about John, he always saw the palm branches. But in John's vision recorded in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 7, verse number 9, as you stand with me. Notice what the Bible says. Now after these things I looked, and behold a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's I want to be there. And he says this, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they were crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here's what I've learned both in life and through the Word of God. Not everyone will keep a palm branch in their hand. Not everyone will worship Him when God doesn't make sense. Not everyone will worship Him in the moments when it's not convenient. Sure, that everybody will pick up the palm branch when others around them are. But what about you? What about when God isn't moving the way you thought? What about when suddenly it seems like things are turning against you? What about when God's purpose begins to get messier in your life than it was when the miracles were in your life? Can you hold on to that symbol of victory in those moments too? The truth is everyone won't. But many will. He says a great multitude that no one could number. All nations, all tribes, all peoples, all tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. 
And they have a palm branch in their hand. And if you make up your mind, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm going to hold on to the victory. I'm going to see God work in my life. And though it may not make sense now, I'm not walking away. And though I may not understand what God is doing in my life right now, I'm not going to forsake His call or His commands. I'm going to stay right where God wants me to be. If you'll do that and you'll hold on to the palm branch here, there will be a day that you'll have a palm branch in your hand there. And you will join into that heavenly chorus. Uh, when everything makes sense and every tear has been stopped and, and, and every sickness has been defeated and death and hell and the grave have lost all their power, you'll stand in a heavenly chorus and you'll say salvation to the Lord. Salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne. I tell you, if you can worship Him here, when, when all hell breaks loose in your life, then you'll have a song of praise there. If you'll make up your mind, I'm going to hold on to the palm branch here when sickness comes and when difficulties come and when trials come and when God's plan disappoints you, then He'll give you a palm branch there and you can join in the chorus. So I preach to you today, hold on to the palm branch. Hold on to the victory. Trust that God is in control in your life. That just because it doesn't look how you thought it would look doesn't mean it's over. I'm sure there were some there in that crowd. Who were sincere in their worship. They believed that He was the one. They, they trusted that He was able. It didn't look like he was doing what he said. No, no, no. They're carrying him to the judge. They, they said that he was sentenced to death. They, that, that can't be our Messiah. That can't be our deliverer. That can't be our king. No, 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 no. I, I, I saw him beaten. I, I saw him crucified. I saw him take his last breath. That can't be. And if the enemy could try to convince you that what you see is all there is to see, that, that, that what's going on in your life that you can perceive with your eye is all there is, then you'll drop the palm branch and you'll pick up a pitchfork too. But if you could just say, hey, I, I believe that there's things happening in my life that I can't see or understand right now that God is moving in ways that I can't even imagine right now and so I'm going to hold on to that symbol of victory I'm going to hold on to that symbol of freedom and I'm going to say God is at work in my life God who the one who, who begun a good work in you is able to complete it and finish it I believe that God is moving so I'm going to worship him when it doesn't make sense I'm going to praise him when it, I don't have it all figured out I, I'm going to lift up my voice to him and I'm going to serve him regardless of what comes my way I'm going to hold on to the palm branch every head bow and every eye closed all over the house I'm going to ask that just right there where you're standing that you would examine what it is in your hand you say well there's nothing in my hand well, yes I understand but figuratively are you holding on to victory are you holding on to hope? Are, are you holding on to God's goodness? Or are you finding yourself letting go of faith and hope and trust? I tell you today, God, God wants to put the palm branch back in your hand. You can 
leave this place today with a heart that is fixed and say, I'm going to trust that God's at work. I'm going to trust that God is not finished. I'm going to trust that that God's doing things that I don't understand right now, that God is working in ways that I don't understand right now. But when the sun comes up, it's going to come up and I'm, it's going to find me with joy. And I'm going to, I'm going to, everything's going to become clearer then. I'm going to see that God was in control all along. I'm preaching to somebody today and I'm telling you God is in control of your life, my life. So hold on to the palm branch. Keep worshiping Him. Keep trusting Him. As they sing, I, I believe the power of the Word of God is connected to our ability and our willingness to respond to it. And I, I think the way we ought to respond today is just by worshiping Him. And so they're going to begin to sing. And as they do, I want you to sing along. But, but I want you to also worship. And maybe you'd feel comfortable stepping out of where you are and kind of just stepping forth as a sign of worship. And say, so I'm going to hold on to His Word.